everyone. You're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. This morning, we the show is sponsored by Bonnie Plants, so thank you to them. And today, we are going to talk to Wendy Kiang Spray, and we're going to talk about growing Asian vegetables. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you are more than welcome. Um, so let's start a little about your your background. Um, and obviously, um, the background in, in gardening and how your, I guess, cultural background influenced you in the garden. Okay. Um, well, I'm Chinese-American. I was born here. Um, my parents were the first generation to arrive here. And... Um, as far as my gardening background, I think, well, I didn't start my, you know, obsessive, we're all gardeners, so we know what I'm talking about, obsessive kind of gardening until probably about 10 years ago when my daughter suddenly was like, let's have a garden, and I was like, oh my gosh, and then it just became a crazy obsession. Um, but I will say I grew up in a generation where we played outside, you know, that's what we did every day, and so... You know, instead of toys, what we did was pick flowers and everything involved mud cakes or leaves or, um, so I would say I've always been around nature and gardening. Um, my dad has always had a garden. Um, he probably began not as a gardener. I would probably say as a farmer and I would probably say, um, growing food for survival. Um, but then after making his way to America, you know, I was thinking today that it was, it's almost like, it's almost a version of, of chasing the American dream as seen through the garden because, you know, at our first house we had, um, a very slopey side yard and I remember his first garden was, um, beds built into the slope. Um, and then we moved into a larger house where he had a larger garden, and now I would say they're probably in their dream house with a very large um, garden with all the food he can eat himself and feed his friends. So um, I've pretty much learned a lot through, especially about the Chinese vegetables and Asian vegetables through him. And, and so is um, your cultural background, uh, does that influence maybe the types of thing that you grow? I mean, do, do you grow pretty much, or particularly your parents, do, do they aim to grow pretty much everything um, that you consume on the table? Or, or do they supplement, like most Americans do, with kind of uh, the supermarket down the road? Oh, my parents property is pretty amazing. They probably could be pretty self-sufficient with no supermarkets or anything. They have um, they have eight acres. Um, six acres of it is a pond. So in the pond, they've got all kinds of fish. They have turtles. They have um, um, they have ducks. They have chickens. Um, and the garden, you know, like I said, is large enough to pretty much feed them more than enough to feed them year round. Um, wow. And then, of course, you know, they do things that they, they grew up having to do for survival. So they'll, um, they'll salt fish, they'll dry vegetables. Um, you know, one thing that, that we like to eat almost as a delicacy is daylily buds. 
Um, so in the summer, we've got these fresh daylily buds, um, and then, you know, they'll pick extras and dry them. Um, you know, some of us may have, like, a food dehydrator at home. I have a food dehydrator at home. They have five food dehydrators at home. So between everything they dry, preserve, um, eat, pickle, they've really got food year-round. I mean, I, they do go to the supermarket for things here and there, but I don't think they really have to. So yeah, and and so um, the Asian veg um, are they really are they different to the ones that most Americans would normally be familiar with? Like like the in the spring there'd be the salads and the cabbages, and in the summer there's the tomatoes and beans and squash. Is there a sim- similar similarity um, of the vegetables? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, there's there's definitely you know your greens that that would be your cool season crops, um, and then your melons and your peppers and the, those kinds of vegetables in the summer. Um, I, I have a feeling a lot of I mean a lot of us have eaten um, Chinese vegetables. A lot of your westerns have eaten Chinese vegetables. I mean, you've had cilantro, you know. And, you know, a lot of, you've had ginger, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, sometimes when you buy those burpless cucumbers, those are basically Asian cucumbers. So um, the Asian cucumbers tend to be a little bit longer, tend to have fewer seeds, and tend to be basically those burpless cucumbers. So a lot of us have had them and not even known. And I think um, looking at your uh, design that you did for Nikki's book and sort of looking at your website and, and blogs and things like that, would it be true to say that you use different parts of the, the vegetables than traditionally we do in, in Europe or America? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I would say so. Um, Chinese people in their cuisine tend to... Um, tend not to waste, so um, we really eat most parts of the vegetable. So um, as an example, um, with your snow peas, um, you can eat your snow peas, and you can also eat the snow pea shoots. Um, Those are actually a delicacy. So, um, you know, I'll grow snow peas, and I'll take off the top maybe eight inches of the shoots, you know, once the plants get established a little bit, and those are amazing, delicious, mild sweet greens um they're just delicious stir fried and then you know and then we'll eat the shoots too um sweet potato leaves that's another example of you know where the westerners are growing the sweet potatoes for the tubers um my parents give me the whole box of tubers because they really are eating the leaves throughout the um the summer actually it was funny one day um last summer my mom made this dish and she's like can you guess what this is i had no idea it was like a bean but it was a really really thin bean i would say like um you know half the circumference of a regular green bean um maybe about three inches long and i could not figure out what it was and turns out it was they were sweet potato stems. Oh. So she just decided to do something different. She cut off all the leaves. Um, you know, I'm sure she was going to use them in another dish. And she just decided to cook just the stems. So it looked like a plate of some strange, delicious kind of bean. 
so it's pretty funny. And and, and it was very edible, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, my mom, I mean my mom's an amazing cook. So every, yes, everything is oh, delicious. Well, and actually talking about um the pea tendrils. Um this year was the first time I'd heard about that. So I tried it. Um I've got a particular variety that seems to have lots of very fuzzy little tendrils. So I tr- I tried just chopping off um half half of it i've got it in a container i just did half of it and a little bit like spinach it goes down to almost nothing but it was just it was lovely i mean you could have it in a salad as much as you could stir fry it as well oh yes yeah i've seen that in um in some nicer restaurants i've seen um snow peas uh shoots used as um sort of a a microgreen kind of, you know, effect or some, you know, like a like a garnish. Um, but yeah, they're very delicate. They tend not to store very well. So I would probably try to use them as soon as you can. Um, and you, they just really need a very quick stir fry. Yeah, and I would imagine that's the sort of thing that you probably wouldn't see in in supermarkets um, because, I mean, they are so delicate. But when you can get them really fresh, which is kind of the the optimum of of any sort of of growing and and culinary, really fresh, and and they were just wonderful. Um, But are are the vegetables, um, particularly the summer vegetables, typically in, in Asia, is it a little like Europe where or particularly England, where I'm from, thing, it doesn't get quite hot enough um, and the summers aren't quite long enough to be able to do some of what we now, in America we call the, the, the normal vegetables, like the melons and the, and the peppers. Is, the same, is that the same in, in Asia or do they usually have a pretty good summer? And China is so big that you have a lot of different climates, but the part of China where my dad is from, my parents are from, Shandong, it's the climate's actually very similar to um, to where I am in Maryland. So um, he can pretty much grow all the things that he grew back home. Um, actually, it was kind of cool because last year um, he met someone who gave him some seeds for this melon that it was native to Shandong. And he hadn't tasted that melon in probably 50 years. So oh, wow. He was actually he was able to get those melons and uh, the, the seeds and, and taste those melons for the first time in a long, long time. Um, but I, you know, I would say most Asian, most Chinese vegetables, well, a lot of China, mo- yeah, no, most Chinese vegetables will do well in America. I mean, there are some tropical things that um, that uh, you know we would have a difficult time with, like. Like lemongrass, the, the the Thai herb, I love. Um, you know, in in Southeast Asia, that's going to be a perennial. It's going to get gigantic, and you'll have all that you can use. Um, <laughs> but here, we would probably just grow it as an annual because it's not going to overwinter. And Unless you wanted yes. to bring it inside. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, I know you can bring them inside, and particularly if you've got a greenhouse. Um, but but they, they are amazing because you buy a little a little four-inch container of lemongrass, and by the end of the summer, you've got this stand that's kind of about 10 inches in diameter and about five foot high. It's the most amazing grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I guess with that, that, do you chop it down then every year um if it's in a perennial area like it would be da- kind of done in georgia or florida i've probably i've just taken it out i've just say i've just grown actually i've grown it in a pot and then i've just ta- i've just dumped it out because it's not, you know i probably could bring it inside but i've got like one good window um it's i just don't have room in my house 
So can it can it be preserved if you if you cut it back? Can you preserve the lemongrass, or does it dry out and become kind of more like straw for tasting? You could dry it out.、Uh, you you could you could dry it out. I mean, the, the stuff that a lot of people buy from the supermarkets and in the jars for a lot of money are basically just cut and dried lemongrass,、um, which may be okay to you know throw in a soup to flavor your soup or or that kind of thing.、Um, You know, I I went to this woman's talk a long time ago. I can't even really remember what the topic was. I think she was talking about、um, she might have been talking about dahlias, and she was talking about how you know they're they're not、um, they're not hardy in our zones.、So、you have to dig them up and blah blah blah. And she was saying that it's so much trouble, and and ultimately it's just a couple dollars. So she grows them as annuals. So I've kind of taken a little bit of that attitude myself too.、Um, I mean, you can buy lemongrass from an Asian supermarket, or、um, or maybe your your own supermarket, fresh lemongrass if you're lucky, and you know for a couple dollars, and you can root it in the glass. A couple weeks later, you should see some roots, and then you can just plant that. So, I mean, if you're talking like two dollars, by the end of the summer, you can just dig it out and not feel too bad about it. <laughs> So. <laughs> yes, and it, it is. It's just a wonderful plant. But you know, we need to go for our、yeah. first commercial break here.、Um, but we will be back talking more about growing Asian veggies with Wendy Kiang Spray on America's homegrown veggies. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show at Home with Paisley every week Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much: healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs, ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. This is Michael Gano with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Quick stakes—that's Q U I K stakes—are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes—Q U I K stakes—the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Webradio dot com, the best in chat radio, designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on AmericasWebRadio.com webpage, and you can find them on iTunes, and you can find them on Stitchers. This morning, we are talking with Wendy Kiang Spray about growing Asian vegetables. And Wendy, we talked in general terms about maybe the cultural、um, differences.、Um, 
of growing vegetables. So let's turn to the veggies themselves. Um, we're almost at the end of spring, but let's start with the cool weather veggies because I think there's still time for most people to get a few of those in. Um, so what type of vegetables do you plant early in the year, the equivalent of what I would call the salad veg? I think now would be a good time to grow um, chrysanthemum greens. That's kind of an interesting one um, that I'd like to talk about. It's it's a very um, it's a very fragrant green. Um, it, if you were to buy it, it wouldn't be like the chrysanthemum flower, though it's related. It would, you would look for either garland chrysanthemum or uh, or just it would be called chrysanthemum greens. Um, it's similar. If you've had chrysanthemum tea. Um, it's similar in flavor to that. It's it's a real fragrant. It's a very different kind of green. Um, and then they and then they'll produce these pretty orange flowers towards the uh, towards the summertime. But um, those are pretty delicious greens. They um, are often used um, thrown in soups. Um, they cook very quickly, so um, sometimes we'll do like a like a Chinese hot pot where you start off with the broth or or just, I mean, typically with a broth, and then you, you cook your, almost fondue style, you know, you cook your, your meats and your um, whatever else you're cooking, um, and then towards the end you would throw your greens in there just till they wilt and then have a nice fragrant soup at the end of your meal. Um, so those are pretty interesting, and you could start those now. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, the snow pea shoots, that, that would be a great, I would say that's like a must-grow. Um this time of year at my dad's house, um, he's harvesting watercress right now. He's got a stream, you know, I, I mentioned the pond that he has. There's a stream that feeds into the, um, the pond, and it's, it's the perfect environment for watercress because he's got the dappled light through the trees, and it's just like a gently flowing stream, um, and the watercress is pretty amazing at this time of year. Wow. Um, there, you know, most of the Asian greens you can grow at this time, um, and I do try because, you know, in my opinion, seed is cheap. Um, my dad chooses to grow most of his greens in the in the um, fall, though, because he just feels it's better as far as um, pest control, um, as far as, you know, because sometimes when we get these greens going in the spring, as soon as we're ready and really excited, they bolt. So um, it kind of takes care of that problem, too. Um, there are actually, like, uh, tatsoi. It's also known as um, flat cabbage, also known as rosette bok choy. It's basically a bok choy that grows in a flat rosette um, pattern. They're actually really pretty. Um, and they grow really low to the ground. Um, those are That's an excellent late fall, even into winter, green um because they they actually get sweet you know just like carrots they actually get sweeter with with the frost oh very good um so so some some of them are are, um reasonably frost tolerant then um as as well well as so you and and if you grow them in the the spring are they like the cut and come again um lettuce type things or are they very quick to mature because you're using them for the leaves um some of them you could use as a with, with the tatsoi, the flat cabbage. You could either harvest the you could like slice off the entire rosette, um, 
or you could just harvest the leaves around the, you know, around the outside and just kind of work your way in. Um, Gailan or Chinese broccoli, that's one of my favorite vegetables. That is my favorite Chinese vegetable, <laughs> I would say. And that's, that's like a broccoli rob. So you would, you would eat, you would eat the whole thing, including the stems, the leaves, you know, any flower, any flowers. Um, and so for, you know, so for those, you would just harvest the whole thing. Okay, um, and what, what about maybe some of the um, the spicier ones, um, like the mitsunas and things like that? Do you tend to grow those um, early in the year as well, or will they also grow in the summer? Um, I think those tend to do better in the early spring around this time. Um, those greens are actually really pretty greens too, so a lot of people will... Um, you know, one thing you could do is try to grow them in your flower beds um, so that, like the, the, the mizuna, it's just like a very pretty green. Um, so some people act, will actually grow them in the flower beds where they'll kind of hide the, the fading daffodil and tulip leaves and, and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And, and so are there maybe differences between the, the Asian cabbage and the European cabbages? Not just how, how you use them, but how you grow them. Um, I would say as far as growing, it might be fairly similar. Um, I'm trying to compare just like your typical Western green cabbage and the Napa cabbage. Um, I mean, something like a Napa cabbage is is great for um, the sort of blanched inside. Um, my father was telling me a story the other night about when he would grow Napa cabbages in China, and you know they would they would harvest the Napa cabbages. Um, with the Napa cabbages are very large, so they can be actually like two feet tall and pretty darn wide as well. Wow! Um, and so t- towards the end of the the season, before um, they get a hard frost or before snow, they would pull them all up um, and they would wrap them tightly with, you know, close the outer leaves and wrap them tightly with probably a sweet potato vine, actually, or um, some other sort of twine that they would um, usually fashion, um, and then bury them in pits upside down. Um, and then cover with soil, cover with, you know, then it would become snow-covered. Um, and they would actually go out to the pits once a week and just grab whatever they need to feed them uh, for that week. Um, that was their cold storage. Um, and when you wrap your Napa cabbages tightly like that, it keeps, you know, when it's time to take it out, you just um, untie the twine and pull off your outer leaves and the inside is still fresh and and delicate and sweet and um, tender. Oh. oh, wow. I would never have thought about doing something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yes. Well, we don't really have to because, you know, we, yeah. we, we, we don't have to depend on storing our food in pits anymore, at least here. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's how it was done traditionally. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I guess um, with things like the, the, um, the pot choy and things, as against a European cabbage where we take out um, the hard core, am I right that you use, again, the whole of the, the cabbage? You actually sa- savor that, um, the bulb at the bottom, so to speak, uh, and you, you, you cook that as well as the leaves? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and actually a lot of those vegetables, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, in my family, we all have our different our, our different favorite parts. Um, you know, bok choy would be a, a you know a similar 
um, example, but like with the guy lawn, for example, we all have favorite parts. So some of us really like the stocky, you know, the firm, stockier parts. Some of us like the really tender leaves. So, yeah, definitely you would eat all parts. And and do you find that you some of them are better maybe to be sown directly outside in cool soil like peas and things um, versus, I mean, I know cilantro, for instance, um, it tends to bolt really quickly if you um, buy a seedling and put that in rather than if you sow it directly. Yeah, I would say most. Most Chinese vegetables can be direct sown. Um, I mean, some of your melons um, and peppers, you you know, probably want to, you probably want to start inside so they have a longer season. Um, But yeah, yeah. I mean, with the cilantro, actually, I had great luck. I've had, I haven't had such great luck with cilantro in the past. But last year, I must have, and I love it. It's my favorite fragrance in the world. I think is cilantro. (laughs) I could stick my head in a bag of it and just. You know, breathe deeply for 10 minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, and I haven't had good luck. Um, but last year I was out doing something, cleaning up the asparagus bed or something, and the fragrance of it hit me in the face. And, and I remembered that I had actually um, sown some directly in the soil next to the asparagus. So when the asparagus fern started to flop over, I think it must have provided just the right amount of shade for that cilantro to do really well. So I think I'm going to try to do that again this year intentionally. <laughs> Sometimes things do work better by accident, don't they? Right, yes. right. Um, how about the, the daikon uh, radishes? Is it daikon radishes? Are they similar to um, Europe or, or American radishes where, where you, they're very fast again to mature and they're very spicy and you, you sow them um, on a repeated basis? Um, yes, yes. Um, daikon radishes are ridiculously gigantic and they're actually really good for breaking up the soil so um and they're pretty they're pretty um they're pretty easy to grow so those are actually i mean i think some people will will grow daikon radishes just for um their work in breaking up the soil um but that's that's actually an example of something that some people um will actually start indoors um and it might sound crazy to you know, go out there and transplant radishes. You would never do that with, our, you know, Western radishes. But when you're talking about a, um, you know, a radish that can be, you know, three, four, five pounds and uh, 12 inches long, you know, it, it becomes more reasonable to start, you know, to think about starting that indoors and being able to transplant it. So, yeah, but either way, I mean, they're pretty easy to grow. And, and so, so you wait until the root is really big before you um, harvest it, or can it be harvested when it's a little smaller? I think you can definitely harvest it when it's a little smaller. A lot of Chinese vegetables can grow to be really big, um, but that's not necessarily, you know, the prime time to harvest them. So, um, yeah, I would say with the radishes, you can harvest when you want to harvest. So, um, and, they, and they transplant fairly easily, even though they've got that root on them? I think so. As long as they're, yeah, as long as they don't, they're not too big, I think they should be okay. Yeah, um, because I, I would imagine that they're, they're a lot spicier than um, the European ones, which are kind of only about an inch in diameter, usually um, little inch balls ra- rather than a very big one. Um, so does it concentrate the, the flavor maybe if you let it get that little bit bigger or is it quite flavorful even if it's small? Um. 
You know, I haven't had them very small. I usually have them when they're larger. <coughs> but I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not sure, honestly. Oh, yeah. um, but you know, but you reminded me actually of my of my mom who was who was saying that when she was young and it would be really cold and there would be a snow and there was no heat, they would actually eat chunks of radishes to stay warm because of that spiciness. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. But I want to remind everyone, you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies and we'll be back with more from Wendy Kiang Spray. And when we come back, we'll talk about the summer vegetables. We'll be right back. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking about Asian veg with Wendy Kiang Spray. And, Wendy, we talked about some of the cool weather crops. So let's go for the, the guys of summer. Um, like traditionally uh, over here, we I guess we do the beans and the st- and tomatoes and the, the squash and all those really hot weather-loving ones. Um, So I know that um, melons are popular, um, but I heard of something called a bitter melon. What what is a bitter melon, and is that a squash melon, or is that a totally different creature? Um, Yeah, yeah, it's considered a gourd, um, and it's actually uh, actually bitter. Um, And then, you know, whenever I talk about the bitter melon and people are like, why would you, what I always hear is, why would you want to eat that? And I have to explain, you know, there there are other bitter tastes that we enjoy, that we eat because we enjoy. I mean, why would you choose, you know, a dark chocolate over milk chocolate? Or why would you choose to drink vodka? Um, So, you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely an acquired taste, but I think it's something that everyone should always try. Um, it's it's kind of a fun, you know, I, I think it's kind of fun um, for people to try. So when I go around and do talks and talk about um, Asian vegetables, I always make sure to bring some bitter melon for people to try. Actually, bitter melon is one of those things that um, my sister, when she moved um, to North Carolina, and she, she doesn't have really amazing Chinese restaurants down there. And, of course, my mom is not down there to cook for her. It's one of those tastes that she routinely craves when she's down there. So, um, yeah, it's 
it's really lumpy, bumpy on the outside. Um, you would either consider it really gorgeous or you might consider it really ugly, depending <laughs> on your taste. Um, when you slice it open, it's really pissy on the inside um, with big seeds. So you would actually scrape out the pissy insides and, um, and chop it up and stir fry it. And, and so it's the flesh that you, that you use of, of the melon? Um, typically, yeah. It's, yes. it's typically the, 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 the um, thin, fleshy outside that you would eat. Okay. But actually, it's kind of interesting because my father was saying that um, he used to grow that when he was a boy, not for the outside, because in his part of China, they didn't eat the outside. They actually grew it for the inside, the, the pissy part, which, you know, I was saying, I was just saying we throw out. But um, <laughs> what happens at the very end of the season when the, the melon, melons are beyond mature is that the, the pithy inside takes like a, almost a um, mucilaginous um, um, texture. Um, it, it turns red and actually turns sweet. So um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, a bitter melon on the vine when um, – when it's done, it'll just split open, the seeds will fall, the ants will carry away all the sweet goop, and you're left with, like, clean seeds that you can just pick up for next year. Oh, and do they self-seed then as well? Um, do they grow again, those uh, the seeds that it drops? Or is it, is it like a squash that really is a tender plant? It's Yeah, it's a tender plant. Right, you, yeah. would, want, you would want to wait a little bit before you <laughs> put it out. And, and it's used as a dessert? plant or is it used as part of a savory dish um it's usually uh it's yeah it's cooked as part of a savory dish um it's it's almost all i almost always see it with um like a garlic and black bean sauce it's it is bit it's definitely bitter so um you know something strong in flavor like the garlic and black beans really help to balance it out Oh, that sounds like a fun, fun one to to grow. Um, are there any other mel- melon type things that that are more traditional um, that you would grow? Um, you know, I would say the wax gourds are really interesting. They're, they're called wax gourds, and they're called winter melons. Um, they they get gigantic. I mean, they get probably sixty pounds. Um, if you let them. And um, they're called wax gourds because towards the end of the season, they're actually covered with a layer of wax, and that really helps to extend the, um, to help preserve the melon. You can actually harvest it, put it in a cool place, and it'll store for, um, it'll store for months. Um, part of the reason why it's so heavy is because there's a really uh, great water content. Um, it's, it's almost always used in a soup. So um, the way you would use that is, you know, you'd, you'd hack it in half, however you could, with a very large knife. Um, and there, you know, there's some seeds on the inside. You scoop out that, you scoop that out. But there's a there's a good layer of flesh. I guess you would cut it like you would cut cantaloupe into slices. Uh-huh. Um, and then you would either cut the melon into chunks, you know, minus the rind, of course. So you would cut the melon into chunks and cook it in a soup, or um, sometimes you can take the melon and grate it and cook it in a soup. And the way it cooks down, it, make, it makes your soup have almost a pureed consistency. Um, or in, in, um, in banquet restaurants, um, this is the melon that you might see um, carved on, on the outside, like a bas-relief carving of, you know, pretend a dragon or some sort of symbol. Um, they would... Uh, fill the thing with soup, 
steam the whole melon and bring it out to the table in this great, great grand, elaborate um, presentation. Oh. And so when you serve it, you would take out a, um, a, a ladle of soup and scoop out a little bit of the melon with it. Oh, that's, that sounds fun, uh, yeah, particularly if you're artistic and co- can create that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm so. not doing that at home, but there are, <laughs> there are chefs who will do that. <laughs> Um, and so, so let's stay with the um, the vining plants. Uh, what about uh, things like eggplants? Um, are they pretty much the same, um, or are there different varieties of eggplants that you prefer? Um, the the um, yeah, we grow we grow um, Chinese or Japanese eggplants. They're a little longer. Um, they tend to be a little more mild. Um, some, sometimes your, you know, your globe eggplants can be kind of bitter. Um, the skin tends to be a little softer. Um, so that's definitely a vegetable where, you know, if you're not ready to try something like a bitter melon, you could try a Japanese eggplant um, because it's, it's very similar. I mean, the taste is similar. You would use it in a similar way. It's got a, a, a different shape, um, but also features that you might prefer with a thinner skin. Yeah, um, and and so with the the eggplants and things like that, I guess with them being vining plants, do they all kind of just jumble along together? Do they prefer a trellis, or or do they grow long enough to maybe go over an arbor? Um, the the eggplants do fine in like a tom- in a tomato cage or some sort of you know just with a little bit of support. The eggplants are fine. Um, there's a there's a great vining spinach called Malabar spinach. Oh yes, um, that's actually a spinach that people might have tried without knowing that it's it, it, you know it's it's originally a Chinese spinach, um, and that one you can grow either rambling in your bed or you can grow um, um, with some sort of trellis. Um, a friend of mine grows Malabar spinach in a pot, and actually, she her her pot of Malabar spinach is still going. She, it it, go, it grows year round. It's in her house right now, and um, she's still just cutting leaves here and there whenever she needs some spinach. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful vine. It's got red red um, stems and everything, hasn't it? Right. It's, it's, it's right. A, yes, I, I, and I've seen that one grown once or twice, mainly because um, it's a vine in spinach. I didn't realize it was an Asian one, um, mm-hmm. but that that has I think come into mainstream because of the the spinach flavor. Um, and you and it, it how you can harvest spinach in the summer that way, whereas a traditional spinach is a cool weather. One. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so what, what about, um, I mean, Asian food tends to be spicy. Um, so I'm going to assume that you um, like the hot peppers as well. Um, is it always very hot peppers like the ghost pepper or, or is there a range that you like to use? Um, we grow a lot of red chili peppers. Um, there are some types of peppers that are really hot, like your Thai chilies tend to be really small and hot. Um, those are those are pretty good, um, they, and they have different. You know, of course, if you're a pepper connoisseur, you can tell the you can you can really kind of tell, pick up on the nuances of all the flavors. Um, but yeah, uh, my parents tend to grow habaneros and a and a, um, a Chinese heirloom um, chili pepper. So. Oh, and and I, I guess the, the heirloom ones are, are a little hotter than the regular ones, or or are they about the same? Um, I love, uh, peppers and I love spice, but I don't think I'm personally one of those people who can, um, 
tell you know where they fall on the range the uh the spiciness range what was the scoville is called the scoville range um i would say i would compare and this is not a pepper connoisseur speaking but i would compare um the, the your typical heirloom chinese peppers to um a cayenne pepper as far as um spiciness level Oh, okay. But, uh, but of course, you know, the way you use them is going to, it, that's going to be dependent on the way you use them, too. Whether you just snip a few um, and throw them in a dish or cook something with whole peppers in it. Yeah, and, and of course, they, they, they all dry fairly easily as well, don't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I love dry, drying some, some of the peppers, you know, because they, they um, I, I guess then you can use them in, in winter uh, dishes because they they really do. I think they're, they're probably these. Do you, do you save the seeds out of them, um, or do you, do you just do the pods when you when you save them? Um, I I usually save them whole. Um, my mom will usually she she likes to freeze her chili peppers. Um, for me, the flesh gets a little mushy when you sit when you freeze them. Um, but you know, but when she's using her peppers, she's throwing them in a stir fry. When I use my peppers, I'm drying them because I like, to, uh, you know, um, I, I, I typically like to dry them and crush them and throw them in pot, you know, to top pasta or chili or something. So, I think with the peppers, it definitely depends on how you plan to use it. You know, whether you want to just um, yeah. whether you want to dehydrate it or or freeze it or turn it into a sauce or something. Oh, another thing I love to do is take um, some dried, crushed, uh, hot hot red peppers and just, um, you know, get some mild-flavored oil, um, heat it up, throw some garlic in there, throw the peppers in there just until everything gets fragrant, and then have a very simple chili oil. That's delicious on anything. Oh, and then you just eat the sort of use the oil um, in in other dishes. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would get a nice little spoonful. The spoonful would probably be a big spoonful of oil with a whole bunch of little flakes and, and oh, flecks wow. in it. Oh, that's a great idea. I know you can't um, store things like that, but uh, yeah, that 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 would be that would be fun. Um, but you know, we need to take our, our final commercial break here. But come back, everyone, and listen to more about Asian cooking with Wendy Kiang Spray and maybe we'll find out where we can get seeds for some of these things after these messages. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At bonnieplants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's Food Link was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit feedstuffsfoodlink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. Feedstuffsfoodlink.com, connecting farm to fork. Quick steaks, that's 
Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. We have been talking about Asian veggies with Wendy Kiang Spray. And Wendy, we talked about the veggies. Um, but whereabouts can we find the seeds for these um, vegetables? Are they available through uh, mail order from um, American companies or do we have to go to Asia to find them? Yeah, well, luckily, you don't have to go to Asia to find them. <laughs> oh, good. Um, <laughs> You can get, uh, I like, um, I like to get a lot of seeds from, most of my seeds actually, not just Asian seeds, are from, uh, Baker Creek heirloom seeds. Um, I just really like them as a company. Um, I've liked watching Jerry Gettle's family grow. Um, I just like them as a company. I'm sort of a loyal, devoted fan. Um, I've heard really good, uh, reviews of Kitazawa seeds, um, they have, I think they probably have a bigger variety of Asian seeds. So if you're looking for something specific, um, I, I think Kitazawa would be a good one to uh, check out. Um, I've heard evergreen seeds is also good. Um, um, yeah, uh, you can, for me, if you live in, a, if you live in an area where um, there are some good Asian supermarkets, they usually will have seeds too. I mean, all the Asian markets in my area there's either a section or at least like a like a wall pocket or a I guess it would be called a wall pocket with with seeds in them. So oh oh that would that would be a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I would never have thought about uh, that because I I, I think m- many areas have um, d- different varieties of supermarkets. Um, so find, finding maybe an Asian supermarket would be a a good sort source. Um, uh, what about um, a website or blog? Do you have a blog where you t- sort of cook and and show people different uh, ways of cooking these things? Um, I do have a blog. It's um, it's www.greenishthumb.org. Um, it's greenish because you know it's I, like all gardeners. I'm constantly learning and constantly failing, so it's like kind of <laughs> that's that's how it began. Um, and I, you know, I like to post a lot of my gardening happenings there. Um, I like to do a lot of little projects. Um, so I'm usually posting pictures or something there. Although I will say it's kind of fallen by the wayside since I discovered how much fun Facebook is. So um, people who want to track what I'm doing probably want to uh, friend me or, or follow me on Facebook. Uh, it's just under Wendy Kyung Spray. Um, but, you know, I like to do a lot of um, beyond the Asian vegetables, which I do enjoy um, a lot. Um, I also really like food preservation. Um, I'm usually trying to, to do different things at home with jams and jellies and, and other edible things. Um, I just made some dandelion jelly the other day, which ended oh, up really good. Yeah, Ooh. so the first time I'd, I'd had it or made it. Um, 
And that used so, the leaves of the dandelion or the flowers? No, that was with the flowers. So oh. you basically make like a, I guess you basically make a tea with the, with the dandelion flowers and then um, use that, that liquid to make your jelly. Oh, I gave some to a friend who said she had the dandelion jelly on some crostini with some goat cheese and herbs, and apparently it was amazing. So I'm going to try that this weekend probably. Oh, and I've usually thought with dandelions of making the wine, um, which uh, uh-huh. a different level. I mean, I've got uh-huh. a, I've got lots of old English cookery books that tend to focus on on uh, old wine making from fruits right. and things. But uh, yeah. and I, I noticed as well that you you were making um, lemon curd. Um, that's an interesting. Um, that was interesting to to read about because I haven't had that for. A long time. You, you said something about seventy-two eggs in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my dad. Well, with the chickens, my dad. You know, he just keeps trying to amass these chickens, and there's there's so many eggs that come through. Um, I looked at my refrigerator, and I think I had six dozen eggs in my refrigerator, and I was like, "What am I going to do with this?" So the lemon curd was actually a very good use, a very delicious use of all those eggs. And how long does that, that last in the in the refrigerator, or can can you put it in the in the the cupboard? Oh yeah, I I canned my lemon curd in a um, boiling water canner, so oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's not it's not it doesn't have a shelf life like a jam would. I, w- I want to say maybe it's like three months or something. Um, don't quote me. So if you're making it at yeah. home, make sure you you check to date yourself. But it did it definitely had a short um, shelf life. Because so I it- told everyone who got some, you know, eat it immediately. They did, and apparently they liked it. So. Okay, um, and and you mentioned that you do um, talks in the in the area. Um, is there a list somewhere of where you talk, um, or is there a way um, to find find out where you're going to be talking about this this topic? Um, with the larger talks open to the public, I'll I, you know I'll usually just, um, mention something through Facebook. Um, a lot of uh, I, I I volunteer as a DC Master Gardener. So um, some of the talks that I do, I do um, as a master gardener. Um, I just did a talk on basic um, flower gardening, which is also a love of mine. It's uh, so that was super fun, um, and that was that was um, via the master gardener program. Um, one thing I'm going to be doing uh, in the fall is the Heritage Harvest Festival at Monticello. Um, I haven't been to that festival, but it looks spectacular. It look, I think it's a, a two-day um, weekend event um, with food and gardening and fun for the kids and all kinds of workshops. So um, that's something that that's a place I'll be at that will be fun. And that, that's in the fall, you say? Yes, I, I want to say it's, it's in September. Oh, that sounds like a fun, fun East Coast event. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And and I know that um, on on your uh, your blog, um, you mentioned several different things. You've got lots of different categories on there. Do do you actually? Um, I think one of the latest ones was something to do with um, was it bean sprouts that you were that you were uh, growing. Um, probably microgreens. Oh, microgreens. Um, okay. Yeah, I did a couple of talks on microgreens. I, I love doing things um, 
you know, for me, I'm just so exhausted by the end of the gardening season. I think I really need time to recharge. I really need time to forget all the ways that I messed up and all the ways that my <laughs> garden had failed. Um, and then once I sort of get recharged again and feel the, ur- the urge to deal in seed and soil, um, I usually try to do something fun like um, either sprouting inside or growing a tray of microgreens. I mean, microgreens is such a great thing to do, um, you know, in in late winter when you're kind of getting the urge to get out there, but it's still 30 degrees. Uh, you know, you can grow some fresh food inside. It's beautiful. It's nutritious um, and, and fun to do. Yeah. Um, and if somebody maybe wanted to um, invite you to their group or something like that um is there a way to contact you through facebook or through your through your blog uh yeah either way um the easiest way to remember off the top of your head might be to just look me up on facebook um you can send me an email my email address is wkspray at gmail.com um or or yeah or find me uh through my blog Okay, and 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 it, it's Wendy Kiang Spray, is that right? Um, Correct. Yes, yeah, and that that's the the Facebook address, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's K I A N G. Right. Not, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and so, so do you make entries on there quite often? On Facebook? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I I I originally intended to be a light user, but it's it's. It is really fun. I, I'm trying to limit myself to one thing I need to tell the world per day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm good on luck there with that. <laughs> and and you're, you're on Twitter as well. Um, I am on Twitter. I, I don't. I don't really. Um, I think I set it so that my Facebook goes automatically to Twitter. So I, I'm not an experienced Twitter user, but you will you will find me on there. Uh-huh. Um, and I think there's only so many hours a day to to do these these things because you you actually have what 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 we would call a real job as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and so most of these vegetables then are fa- fairly easy to grow. You would you would recommend them for people to be able to um to be successful um, with them? Yeah, I think that they're that they're most of them are easy to grow. There's um the only thing that I might not suggest well you know, if you if you want to go, if you're, well, okay, experienced gardeners could, um, you know, maybe try something that is tropical, that doesn't, or like a water plant. But, you know, most of the ones that we mentioned on the show um, should be very easy to grow. And, uh, you know, and I, I think I, the ones that are in Nikki's book, um, that entry, and we should men- mention that um, it, it's um, The Groundbreaking Food Gardens by Nikki Jabor. And you've got a whole um, garden set in there that that was fun to a fun project oh yes it's a very fun project and even more fun to read that book because that book just has you know uh, hundreds of pages of inspiration yes um and actually one of the things that we didn't get to talk about was the garlic chives which you put under flower pots to make them uh blonde rather than uh, green Mm -hmm. yes yeah so so just fun fun little fun little topics um i say I'm, i'm going to be growing some of these now that i i know and you say um baker creek is a good source for a lot of these that's uh rareseeds.com is the website for that isn't it Yes, Kitazawa probably has a greater variety. 
Oh, but, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever noticed that <laughs> because usually I'm, I'm on there for um, the, the tomatoes and their, their selections of peppers and things like that, which are always fun to get. Um, but, okay, we, we've got about a minute left, um, Wendy. If somebody was go- going to start um, doing a, a, an Asian garden uh, this this season, what would be the, maybe the two basic ones that, that would be familiar to them from maybe buying Chinese food or, or Oriental food? What would be the two that you th- think would be most familiar and easy to grow? Um, if you want, oh, we didn't mention edamame. Edamame would be a great one to grow. Um, easy to grow, doesn't require too much space in the garden, and fun to grow. Um, it's easy to tell when they're done, easy to just sow directly in the soil once the soil warms. Uh, a lot of people have had edamame, easy to cook and, and delicious to eat. Oh, yes. And and is there a second one, maybe one of the, the cooler weather, weather um, varieties, maybe one of the cabbages? Uh, do they grow pretty much as easily as, as the rest of the cabbage family? Um, yeah, they do. You know, I, I would suggest, um, I don't know, I just like the gylon so much. That's my favorite vegetable. Um, I love to just uh, have that steamed or um, boiled and then, uh, or, or just lightly blanched, um, throw some oyster sauce on it, um, you know, heat up some oil and throw a ton of chopped garlic just until the garlic is fragrant and then pour that right over the oyster sauce and the greens. Ooh. It's just so simple and delicious. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're at the end of the show, I think. Um, but I, I want to thank everyone for listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. Uh, thank you to Bonnie's for sponsoring the show. And thank you, Wendy. It's been a great show. I've enjoyed listening um, to about Asian vegetables. Um, we will be back next week with another show talking all about growing veggies. Have a good gardening week everyone and join me back here next saturday this is america's the best in chat radio designed just for you